Hi, you're listening to Switch On, a podcast to shape the principles of modern leadership. We will be discussing the real experience with successful leaders and learn from them how are they tackling real-life, real-time challenges and build on their learnings for tomorrow's success. In this series, we'll focus on how we are bringing vision to life. Having a purpose, a vision alone, is not enough to be successful. Both require action. Without action, vision is nothing more than a dream. The key to success is to stay focused and be realistic about the current situation and then learn perfect along the way. But as soon as we identify it, we need to start living it. Welcome to Switch On. We are in the middle of the paradigm shift that has been accelerated by the pandemic. And consequently, the recent COP26 has addressed the existential crisis and the impact of climate change on our planet. The business has a great role to play in tackling global challenges. Creating a better future requires all of us to be at the table and to understand the wider societal role we all must play to build a better working world. At the heart of this purpose, lies the need to build trust in capital markets. Trust as a key asset for any relationship and any transaction, whether it's for business or individuals. Retaining trust requires all of us to go further than before. It's no longer enough to work toward the delivery of the bottom line figure. It needs to be more than that. It needs to work and succeed in terms of non-financial dimensions to include social and environmental aspects of performance. All of this is required because growth in the future must be sustainable. It must deliver value that benefits all stakeholders. In this context, leaders need to take a pause, step back and reevaluate the point beyond mere profits and rethink the real purpose of business. So I'm thrilled to have one of the front runners in the corporate sustainability with me today, a professional with two decades of sustainable corporate development experience, circularity and fair trade principles on the product and company level. Moitza Marchisetti, Head of Sustainability and Regulatory Affairs at Iskra Imeco. Welcome, Moitza. Uh, hello, Helena. Nice to be talking to you. Great to have you with us. Moitza, can you kick us off by telling us more about what is important to you and what you're passionate about? Thank you for this question. I'm passionate the mostly about, of course, my family. And immediately after that, I'm in love with life and I'm in love with nature and all the beauties that we have. And I'm one of those persons who wakes up every day and just says that it's really a miracle that we as a human species are on this beautiful planet and it really is if you look uh, throughout the anthropology and how the planet evolved and all the living creatures and this is probably one of the main reasons for my profession because for like you mentioned for more than two decades i am a advocate of sustainable development And sustainability, really simply put to me, is that we as a society and economy really need to develop in a way that we respect and treat societies fairly and that we respect, protect and invest in preserving the natural environment and the ecosystems. 
because in the end, this ecosystem is the only reason, the only enabler and the only source of our life and for our life. So this is somehow the main line throughout my professional and also my personal life. Fantastic. More people should think like that. Um, the talk in many boardrooms of a typical Fortune 500 company is still about today's challenges. It's, it's an environment that rewards short-term gains. And immediate concerns understandably dominate management's time and attention. Many companies with relatively long business horizons are still effectively looking at their watches rather than the, their calendars. Moita, what do you think would happen if the people in this boardroom um, ask themselves a simple question? What will the world look like in 2050? What would happen then? I think they are asking themselves this question, but I think this question is wrong. They should be asking themselves, how would I like, how would I want to live in 2050? What do right. I sign for? You know, you, knew, you need to put yourself in the shoes because it, we really see that knowing what the life in 2050 will be like, because we know that's a fact, is not enough important incentive that we would really make the changes fast enough and ambitiously enough. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the limitations, and I, I always say that we once lived in a society, we were making changes as a society, but for the last 70 years, we live in an economy. And the economy is now the one that's mostly responsible for how we're going to live in the future and what we can do now. And one of the limitations, of course, is that the economy runs on a four years mandates. But we're now at the tipping point. We really are in a situation where the consequences of our previous actions are already seen in our own mandate. So this is what I say to the CEOs and other lectures. It will happen in your mandate. And this is also one of the reasons for all the legisl legislation changes that are now happening, for all the changes that are happening in the financial streams, for everything that companies will have to do now and will become mandatory. And also, of course, for everything that now companies are now thinking about and changing their strategies. And I can tell you that in the boardrooms at the moment, one of the main issues to be debated is sustainable development in strategic way. Uh, usually I'm, I'm being asked, how do you manage to keep on the motivation while things are not changing in the speed mm -hmm. that you, of course, want? Well, I have enough experience. And even if it feels frustrated from time to time, I very well know that we would not be in these shoes, that we're now able to do these changes if we wouldn't be doing the preparation for these changes for the past 20 years. Now, things are moving and, and sort of um, being put in the right places and are almost there to click and that we do really uh, achieve all the synergies that, that needs to happen, yeah? True, like you're saying, it's happening today. And this reminds me of something Rupert Younger, director at Oxford University Center for Corporate Reputation said, 
purpose does not come at the expense of profitability, but in many cases, it drives out performance as well. So going forward, customers, employees, investors, policymakers, and regulators will expect businesses to play a greater role in addressing the world's biggest challenges. While doing this, companies will also be expected to create long-term sustainable value for all their stakeholders. What has prompted you to make this commitment and take an active role in corporate sustainability? To be able to answer this question, probably it's good that I explain uh, where I grew up. So I grew up in a very small, heavy industry town, Jesenice in Slovenia, where everything was happening around a big iron factory. The social and the environmental degradation was huge and our house was literally beneath the biggest chimney of the town. And I very well remember that every day or a few times a week, you know, they were saying that kids were not allowed to leave the buildings and pregnant women and so on because of the pollution. So those were the really first things triggering me. Then the social differences that were also really um, present in the environment where I grew up were triggering me on the social way. So as I was choosing my profession, studying economy, but in part of it, the NGOs and being an activist, I ended up working for the human rights ombudsman. And through many years working there, I realized how everything is interconnected, how human rights issues are often connected to the environmental issues and vice versa and so on and so on. And that was the time where I started learning about sustainability, which is, which is development where we take care about all those things. Of course, I was seeking for a way how to how to make the change uh, in in our region. How can I contribute and so on and so on. And at that time, companies were not interested in sustainability. So of course, we were working throughout the governmental sectors, and the changes were not fast enough. So then we were. I was working in the NGOs. As, and also that seemed to me a really great way of contributing, but it was not fast enough. And with all the experiences that I got, I realized that the economy is the one that really has the ability to make the change and to make the change fast enough. Uh, so I decided to join uh, one large creation uh, in our country and prove to the others that we can do it because we were one of the first to really systematically embed sustainability and circular economy, not only in our own processes, but also throughout our value chains uh, of all the stakeholders up and down and really changing the standards of our own industry. That was my decision and we've succeeded in doing that and getting the recognition from the rest of the society, the media and so on. I think we contributed to, to the fact that now there's many companies also doing the same and following this path and being the best in that. 
When we talk about sustainability, we often think only about the green component, but there are also other important aspects about sustainable corporate governance, also called extended management duties, to ensure that companies grow in a resilient and sustainable way, but also that they consider all the stakeholders' interests, which are relevant for the long-term sustainability of the company. But what does this mean in reality to live and embed it in our day-to-day? You said the right word. In sustainability, there's always a conflict between the short-term and the long-term interest of, of a company. What I wanted to introduce to our company when, when we started is they were asking me, are we, after we do that, are we going to be 100% compliant? Are we going to, when we change this and then we're done and, and so forth and so forth. And, as with any other thing, sustainability is not a one-time changer. It's not a tool that you buy and you learn five people to work with it. Sustainability is a systematic change. Sustainability in today's language is a business development and it needs to be strategically present in, in the company. And like mentioned, there's many different variables based on which we make daily business decisions, a short-term or long term and sustainability definitely needs to be among these variables this is how it should be done Um, and that means that sustainability is strategically present in the company what has happened in the last years is like i've mentioned before that short-term goals are already also influenced by sustainability so if i compare to 15 years ago sustainability of something that's really only brings benefits in uh, long term. This is why also it didn't happen as much as, as it should. Mm-hmm. Now sustainability is something that company cannot live without. It's bringing immediate, also short-term results. It's bringing benefits. It will be demanded by the company's customers. It will be demanded by the company's investors. It will be de- demanded employees the newest generation the, the the youngest generations are really concerned about the well-being of of the future generations or of and of themselves of course because they know that they will be living in this world that we're now creating so this understanding of what we are and what are the consequences of our actions is much stronger and also because of the ambitions for the goals in sustainability are much stronger. I really like it how you're building the parallels between the two worlds and how you're trying to actually build a bridge between economy and society, like you put it earlier. And during last year, your Green Penguin, a smart city solution that is supporting cities to achieve carbon neutrality through educating and engaging residents has been rewarded and recognized as one of the most transformative ideas in the field of sustainability. Congratulations, this is really an admirable initiative and a great achievement. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm also really proud on the Green Penguin and on our team and everything that we did and that we were um, also ambitious and bold enough to really jump out of the box. But no box thinking and really go beyond our own competences, go beyond everything that we were used to. 
Uh, and this is exactly what sustainability is about. The, one of the biggest mistakes is that we look at these different pillars of, of the world, such as uh, economy and society and environment, because it's one. It's one, you know, the economy in the environment and is being run and working for the society. This is how it is. If we ruin one of these components, the economy, it has no purpose anymore. It has no sources anymore. It has no cause of existing anymore. That's really such an important message that, that you're sharing with us. We need to simply coexist and uh, we need to help each other, right? And understand both sides of the same coin, I could say. The environment only can exist without the society and without the economy. So the environment is always right. The nature yeah. is always right. That's, that's the axiom number one, if we want to use the mathematician's language, yeah. And the green penguin is exactly that. Uh, one of the things that I in is that we will only succeed. And in this world of fast change, of really rapid change, we will only succeed if we open the keys and the, uh, if we find the keys to open the creativity and to join the creativity and the innovations and technology and responsibility because this is the main component of how to act sustainably mm -hmm. be act through integrity and this is what we wanted to address with the green penguin where we're joining both technological and social innovation Muta, what were your key learnings and key takeaways out of this project i think we're a bit early uh, for, um, I mean, it's a great idea that has gotten a lot of attention. We got a few really important international awards. We won the Global Climate Zone and were nominated among the top three most transformative ideas global-wide, among 140 other ideas throughout the world. Uh, we won last November Enterprise Promotion Award in the chapter Sustainable Development that was given to us from the European Commission. So we, we won the public voting in the Climaton uh, competition. So you see, the idea was recognized by the society, by the media, by the cities, because it's an application for the cities, was recognized by the policymakers. But we're really deep in of concept and i think we are uh, we will make it definitely but a few things need to still happen before we do that we are in the middle of the digital and green transition you know digital we all understand it's not that we use all these uh, gadgets it means that we're creating a lot of data and that we can use this data to optimize um living to improve our quality of life and to decrease the CO2 footprint. This is the main message, really. This is the main thing of how uh, we, what is digitalization all about, yeah? And it's enabling the green transition. Like you said earlier, it, it's relevant now and it's happening today. And, and I think it's, it's great that 
that basically your presence um, and the attention that the project got has got the recognition needed. And now we need to really turn it in action and, and scale it um, in a wider scope in order to, to, to gain traction. And the saying, you can't manage what you can't measure applies to revenue profits, but also sustainability. Um, in your view, what is the role of data in your company and how are you monitoring the progress that you're making? Data is really important, but um, more than data, it's important that then we use the data uh, analytically to achieve all the possible possible synergies and efficiencies, of course. So if we look at how we're embedding sustainability in our company, of course, the first pillar is to um, embed it in all our operations. So in everything that we do as a company, yeah, and to decrease our own CO2 footprint. And this, this is where data of the company is really important. It's really important to measure, to know and understand what's happening to be able to improve. So this is how it is. And of course, energy management, resource management, supply chain management, risk management, uh, supply chain transparency. This is all depending on the data. And um, these are really important uh, projects and really important milestones that we started systematically working on already six years ago and are bringing us uh, benefits in many ways. We're decreasing the environmental footprints and decreasing CO2 footprint. We're uh, mitigating our risks through that. We are able to predict better how a few months in ahead or a year in ahead what needs to be done and so on and so on. We're also able to develop better if we understand the world better if we have the data, if we have the pain points of our customers and so on and so on. We have touched it many times today during um, our conversation that business must be both profitable and sustainable. And this means putting people, the planet and the profit on equal footing, making the green line as important as the top line and the bottom line. If I may, Helena here, I just add yes, Sustainability means that we are definitely um, taking into consideration what are our uh, limitations in the context of uh, environment and social limitations. But now, at the moment, we're in a situation where sustainability for a company also means how we're able to sustain in the future because these environmental and social challenges are so severe and so big and if you look at the risk analysis of the World Economic Forum, you will see that the highest business risks are environmental risks. And this is important for all the companies. The more global you are, the more important it is. And even if you're one small company, for example, in Slovenia, everything happening in, let's say, Indonesia is going to affect you as well because we're a global world. Our supply chains, our value chains, everything is interconnected. And it just goes in the form of a domino effect. Uh, just look at the today's uh, crisis uh, with, uh, within the supply chains uh, or um, ability to access certain components and materials and so on and so on. 
this has not happened over the night and it's not happening because of COVID. This is something that we knew it's going to happen for 20 years. And we know for many other things that are going to happen as well. So actions of sustainability are really mitigating every company. This is also why sustainability now is being debated in the boardrooms because the risks are higher. One of the things that concerns me is that I too often still hear the wrong interpretations or from people from the companies that they are connecting the existing risks with the wrong um, reasons, let's say. Mm -hmm. So it's being too superficial uh, from my perspective. But yes, uh, sustainability, it means um, building your advantage and mitigating your risks. When you say that um, it's already affecting us all and um, we have become really aware that we need to do something about it, but nevertheless, we cannot avoid noticing different interests, different discussions. How to actually give the advantage to sustainability discussion in the decision-making? I'm sure that these discussions involve trade-offs between competing priorities. What is your view on this? Can you maybe share an example of how are you making it work? What are the critical moments um, that you are facing and where you needed to put special attention to in order to move the discussion in the right direction? You're really right. Uh, there's a lot of trade-offs on the priority list that we need to accept every day, definitely. But we have the discussions now and many companies do as well. And it's, uh, the, the knowledge and the competences are really growing. And I'm really happy about that. Also looking and observing how the change is happening throughout Slovenia and our regional economy. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, what what's uh, making me happy even more is that I see now and I'm really excited how the European Commission is stepping forward and what all is it uh, working on and how more ambitious and more focused and more uh, systematical approaches do we have and what's also the investment supporting all those moves and all those innovations and all those changes uh, behind. Of course, if we say that we're, let's say, a really a scientist or an expert on, on environmental issues, we can say that the, the ambitions are not high enough. But if we compare to what the ambitions and achievements were five years ago, we need to admit ourselves that it's a huge change and a huge turn. Um, and this is also how it's happening in the companies. For example, Let's say uh, six years ago, when we started working on uh, supply chain transparency, we had a vision to build a digital tool to really follow uh, many tiers of uh, supply chain partners uh, to follow our materials back to the sources, to be able to calculate the footprints, to be able to uh, take the decisions of, of who are going to be our partners, uh, how we are going to be depending on the regions, uh, how local do we want to have our suppliers and all of that. Uh, understanding that it was important decision from the management side, but um, you know, uh, mentioning the priority list, sometimes we needed to just wait other priorities to, to be cleared, to be able to continue this, uh, these projects. 
And now this is one of the most important projects because it's really mitigating the risks and it's really enabling us also our development. So I think the values uh, have, have changed on the scale a lot and um, all the managers understand already now uh, that sustainability is bringing them added value immediately and in the long term even more. And what my wish is that uh, we would join forces more industry to industry um, policymakers with the economy, understand each other more, hear each other more, because there's a lot of knowledge and uh, still not enough of synergies between the between the sectors, between the sector, the industry, and the policymakers and the governments, uh, um, and also in Slovenia specifically, there's a lot of lost knowledge in the say academic uh, and NGO organizations. It's not in our genes of of our economy yet enough that we would take advantage of this knowledge and uh, see them as part as real partners. We see them as development partners. Uh, sometimes, but we don't see them as, uh, as business partners uh, enough and as, let's say, consultants to our business. Everyone actually needs to contribute. And, and you're so right when you say we need to move from talk to action. Yet based on recent researches, one of the most powerful tools for combating climate change is also one of the most overlooked, energy efficiency. Um, yet considering the recent events when energy prices are reaching a new high and we can monitor that through recent media articles, now that sustainability is actually gaining the momentum, this seems like a setback. Is this the right time to increase the prices? Do we really want to change our behavior or is sustainability just another economic opportunity? Yeah, this is... This is quite a set of a really important and comprehensive <laughs> questions, I have to say. It's difficult for me to really comment on all of them. Um, what I think is that energy efficiency has been an overlooked uh, goal in the past, uh, let's say, decade. The past European mandate has set itself uh, ambitious goals on decarbonization, energy efficiency, and the renewable energies. We have a uh, achieved it on the decarbonization and on the renewable energy growth, uh, but not on energy efficiency. Energy efficiency in the terms of building um, an infrastructure and, and building industry has been implemented quite well. And there's a lot of innovations, investment opportunities and everything on this agenda. And this is, of course, the most important uh, way also. But there's then other ways of energy efficiency where we are a, where we use the data of the energy flow and the data of the energy consumption to be able to uh, optimize the production, um, the peaks, um, the consumption, um, especially now in the age where everything is uh, moving to. So energy is being electrificated. This is one thing because fossil fuels are moving out. And the other thing is the energy uh, demand is growing. And we also need to understand that correlation, uh, CO2 footprint 
is in big, biggest correlation with energy. So in Europe, 75% of energy of CO2 footprint is due to energy demand. So definitely energy efficiency is what needs to be resolved. Yeah, this is this has now been uh, for the last couple of years understood and all the changes in the legislations are happening. And it's also understood that digital transition is the key enabler to be able to achieve this energy efficiency. So uh, yesterday I had a meeting with uh, European uh, Commission uh, with because I'm also advocating and having a role in our industry organization representing us um, towards the European Commission as a stakeholder. Uh, we had a meeting yesterday and I'm really happy that they were listening to our comments and to our consultations and are uh, really now strongly working on the legislation uh, enabling the use of data to achieve energy efficiency and so on. So. Many times I hear from my colleagues, this is so hard work and, you know, changes of legislations and consultation to governments. Why, um, where do you find the motivations and how, you know, we're, we're going to wait for two years for this change, you know, but two years are, are quickly, are passing quickly. Mm -hmm. And if we don't participate in actively advocating for higher standards they're not going to happen because i have to say to you that there's still a lot of lobbying contra uh, higher standards on in terms of environmental changes and sustainability and energy efficiency and so on and so on and it's really important that we advocate loudly all of us who are pro all these higher standards because legislation is only happening uh, in a balanced way. So if there's more advocating not to happen, it's not going to happen. This is one of the rules. This yeah, is how it goes. You definitely need action because change is hard and here we need to change our behaviors and um, yeah. also our thinking going forward because like you've mentioned everything is interconnected and I guess we could just say that there is no such thing as sustainability in a silo and when we add circularity in into the context there is no playing solo anymore. What, uh, what key actions do you think companies need to take into consideration to enable businesses, uh, industries, and economies to deliver the positive outcomes we urgently need? I think the first action is to unlock the potential of and the creativity of the people. Maybe this is a surprise, <laughs> but yeah. I didn't. Uh, I didn't expect that answer. Yeah. We have so much knowledge. We're now living the best uh, lives ever. So we're really at the tipping point. The quality of life is of the highest. We've developed all these incredible uh, technologies. We have on our, in our hands all the education and competences that you can think of, uh, you can accomplish. We have now become because of the COVID a little bit, we really moved into this digital world and we're, uh, we can make ourselves available to many more organizations and we can learn much more and effectively. What the economy needs to understand is that the time of the high management, middle management and the experts and the employees is gone. 
-hmm. And uh, the most important thing is that we really unlock all the potential of our colleagues because the times that are ahead of us are going to uh, reward economists and persons who will think big and who will think, who will know how to solve complex issues in a creative, efficient way. This is why I think that that's one of the most important things to, to be done and to listen. Mm-hmm. Not to listen with a purpose to reply back, <laughs> mm-hmm. but to listen and to understand because in our companies, there's so much knowledge, there's so much potential creativity in everything. And mm-hmm. companies are really still too often, you know, just placing people in the positions where they want them to be and not thinking, okay, how can I make the best out of these candidates, these people, and uh, create the biggest synergy also for the company and and also, if companies would be listening to their own employees um, in concrete issues around sustainability, the decisions would definitely also be different because every person wants to live in a safe environment and wants to preserve the safe environment also for their next generations, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was always saying, you know, not to change the shoes when we walk to the business communities. You know, the way we teach our children at home and the way we live our lives, personally, this is the way we should be living our lives uh, also in our business world. That's the only thing. The integrity. And we're back to the integrity. This is called integrity. Yeah. Yeah, an important message. We, we definitely need to get better at accepting different perspectives, different viewpoints, and get bolder exactly. and, and more creative. Yeah. Um, Yet, sustainability should not be considered as means for differentiation. It is imperative for survival and to be trusted and even in some situation to retain the license to operate in the future. And every day we hear more and more companies are pledging to reach carbon neutrality by a certain date. It often sounds like a promotional campaign, something companies write down to support projects they are working on. Is this enough to claim you're being sustainable? Hmm. Yeah, interesting question. I was studying a few articles yesterday and uh, one of the studies were saying that the challenge that the small companies have nowadays is where to get uh, sources and resources to embed sustainability. And the challenge that the big companies have is credibility of their own statements. And I think it's quite right. I think the goals of achieving carbon neutrality are extremely important, extremely important for the society, for example, from the European Commission or governmental perspective, and also for the companies. But I would really prefer that we focus the debate on how to achieving that because I'm an expert on that and I know what carbon neutrality means. And carbon neutrality is not only that you change the, um, let's say, carpool of the company to EVs and and say that you're using 100% renewable energy. This is not 
the only thing. This is a really great actions and important actions. But what every company needs to do is think about what is their business. So what is your core business? What are you working on? What's your services or solutions or production? And this is what you need to change. You need to think which problems are you solving them. You need to think which are the materials that you're using and how you're using them. You need to think about the innovations. You need to not wait for the customers to require green products from your side, but you need to design green products and that's it. And of course, not everything at once. Nobody eats the whole cake at once. This is too much, but slowly companies need to understand that it's their turn to become the leader in this change in, in sustainability. Not to wait for the legislation to require that from them or that it's in required, some steps are required from the investors or some steps are required from the customers and only justify sustainable actions then. Companies really need to understand that it's their turn. Hey, what's right and what's wrong? And to, to simply say, this is how it goes. For example, we, need, we can look at the packaging. Yeah, there's so many things that could be improved in packaging. And I know many companies are really trying and I'm also been involved in trying to change some legislation that we would be able to decrease the packaging or reuse and so on and so on and so on. And we just need to do it. Mm-hmm. We really, really just need to do it. And I don't see the efforts strong enough yet. I think we're still on the comfortable side. Um, I would really be, it would be really great to see more ambitious. And this is just one example that I was thinking about, but it's the same on many other ways. We don't need to have everything available that we have now. This is me in the corporate world, still playing the role of an activist (laughs) and saying (laughs) it's time, it's time that we take the lead. I really like the passion in your voice, Moitza. Um, And there is no question that accelerated business action towards sustainability will have a dramatic positive impact on people and the planet. It's also said that companies that focus on sustainable business performance will gain competitive efficiencies, more easily comply with increasing regulation, and ultimately be able to adapt and thrive through new business opportunities. But what about the cost related to this transformation? What about the cost if we don't do this transformation? Great question. Yeah. I've been debating so many times about the costs and there's plenty of studies and research. All the consultant companies, if, if, if companies don't trust us, they can turn to McKinsey, Pricewater, uh, Deloitte and any other because they're all now big time involved in sustainability consultations and they're all proving that costs, if not embedding sustainability, will be increasing. Embedding sustainability is decreasing the costs and creating opportunities, period. That's it. And if we don't do it, the costs, direct and indirect, will be much higher. What I'm getting out of this is that to care should not be a choice between sustainability and profitability anymore to reach this greater economic opportunity 
Um, Definitely not. Sustainability and profitability go hand in hand. How, how do you see this unfolding in the next couple of years? And what needs to change? How leadership needs to evolve so the situation gets better? I think leadership is evolving, like we've talked uh, already today. Uh, we need some time to complete this uh, evolution and to complete this change. The thing is that we're running out of time, you know, that's the, the biggest concern. So this is why uh, I also was mentioning that the most important thing we need to do is to unlock the potential of, of the employees, of the people, of the colleagues that to really speed up the change um, because we can go step by step and sector by sector or or department by department within the company uh, but we're, we're gonna make it but we're not gonna make it soon enough yeah so I think we're on the right way absolutely and it really gives me a great pleasure talking to the colleagues uh, and to management of, of the companies throughout the region um, but then on the other side, I've been also analyzing a survey that the Leadership um, Institute has done on the, on the top and middle management, asking them what is sustainability and how important it is to them. And there's one concerned, really deeply concerned issue uh, that, that's in this study when they were asked what is sustainability for them personally they said it's uh, quite important and so on and so on and uh, when they were asked ah okay and what is sustainability in your profession professionally for you mm -hmm. uh, these same people were answering well not so much so it actually dropped for about one whole point Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really concerning to me. This is also why I've been mentioning today throughout our discussion integrity so many times, because I think this is, this is the main key to everything. If, if your main um, rule of behavior and of acting and moving through life is integrity, then there is no difference on how you think personally and how you think uh, professionally. You said it so well, Moita. We need to move from talk to action, if I can put it like that. Um, development in our time is amazing and the opportunities that are at our fingertips have never been better. However, at the same time, we are at the tipping point where things could go for the best or the worst possible scenario. Luckily, we have a choice every day and uh, when you're mentioning integrity um, it's really such an important value when we are making important decisions and the future will be the summary of today's decisions so it's time that we all ask ourselves will we be standing on the right side of history uh, and change for the better thank you moita it has been amazing to have this discussion with you Thank you for your insights, guidance, and commitment to make this world a better place to live in. Thank you, Helena. And we've been talking about the future. Uh, one statement that I um, often use is also that the, the future is always really over-predicted. 
we talk about the future a lot, how it's going to be, and we try to understand it. But every time we underestimate it. So <laughs> this is my main message. Let's not underestimate the future and what it can happen. And uh, let's uh, act now and make the best of it. Because we've created ourselves an environment where the knowledge and technology and our ability of working is really top. And we can really um, successfully uh, also conquer these challenges. Well said. Thank you, Moitza. It has been great to have you with us. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Drop of Milk, an impact-driven business consultancy and expert on customer-focused digital transformation. You can learn more at dropofmilk.com.